Hey, welcome to another podcast. Today I'm talking to Howard from Sparta Bullies. If you don't know Howard, before the band came through in the UK on XL Bullies, or is going to come through, hopefully not, we'll get into that more. Um, but Howard was one of the most well-known XL Bully breeders in the country. And he had a really, or has a really uh, progressive way of looking at dogs, looking at dog breeding, and always was just really sharing very interesting insights into dog breeding in general, but especially into XL bullies, which are really his specialty. And that's why I really wanted to talk to Howard today to get a bit of a better understanding about XL bullies and what's been going on with them. And also now Howard is very involved in the fight against the ban here in the UK um, trying to prevent the ban from from going through. Um, for a little bit of context, because this is such a evolving issue right now, we recorded this podcast on the 3rd of November, 2023. Um, fantastic. Before we get started, we have what we have one podcast sponsor, which is N2N Canine Mills. N2N have been really good with me. I've really enjoyed uh, working with N2N, really fantastic companies. They make canine mills, which are like, um, basically if you, if you don't know at all, they're kind of like, uh, dog treadmills, but they specialize in carpet mills. And recently they've actually just brought out, um, slap mills, which are slightly different. Carpet mills are really fantastic for building muscle, building strength, because there's a little bit of resistance that comes with, uh, having the dog working on on carpet, um, but the slap mills are really good for endurance. And anyway, this, they're just a really freaking cool way of increasing your dog's fitness and um, giving them more exercise. Um, and I, I think dog fitness is going to become a massive thing in years to come. Honestly, I think it's like a bit of something that people are kind of sleeping on a little bit and end to end are really at the forefront of that. So if you do want to have a look at their products and potentially take them up on getting a carpet mill or a slap mill. And this is probably the perfect time to do it, honestly, because they've got a ton of deals on now. You can check out their website or their Instagram just by searching for N2N Canine Mills. That's the letter N, the number two, and then the letter N again, Canine Mills. And you can use the podcasts um, like code which is nb10 whenever you place your order all right fantastic let's get into it hey howard welcome to the show thank you it's good to have you uh it was good to have you on because i mean i've known about you for a while and i think this is just really very topical right now um obviously terrible time for anyone that loves dogs right now with the xl bullies being announced that uh they're going to be banned here in the UK. Um, something that I guess was rumoured for a long time, right? Yes, it was. It was, um, you know, when you, well, I anyway, you know, I when I bought my first XR Bully, we I kind of gathered, yeah, BSL, this could be an issue. So we did, I didn't, the person that was selling the dog, I waited, I told them I never had the money at the time, and it was just a bit of a lie to try and do some research. I've done a lot of research and people were saying, no, you know, they're fine. They're not, they don't look anything like a pit bull tell you. Um, you, you. You're pretty good to go, depending on where you live, I suppose, in the UK. Because I'm from, I live in Merseyside, 
I've seen a lot of pit bull type dogs walking around fine for, for years. I mean, that we'd actually class as a full bred pit bull. And I thought, well, they don't seem to be too fussed. So, you know, yes, it, it, to me, it was always on my mind, you know, even as under BSL. So for people that aren't aware of who you are, Howard, could you maybe give us a little bit of like a backstory as to how you got into, how you got into dogs or how you got into bullies and et cetera? Okay. Um, dogs are my life, basically. I've, we've, I've had Staffordshire Bull Terriers since I was two years old. When my family finally got rid of that staffy, I was heartbroken, but, you know, as a child and my brother, just as it was, who lived next door to me, he bought a white Staffordshire Bull Terrier and that became kind of my dog then. And I just took it out every day. Um, and I, you know, I, I had a kind of a normal childhood, I suppose, but I was never people person. I was just more of a dog person. And, you know, for whatever my life threw at me from till today, I've always been with dogs and around dogs. And, you know, if you if I had a choice to go out with my mates and just take my dog for a walk, I'd take my dog for a walk. I've always been that kind of solitary person. So to yeah. get into Excel is a different thing altogether. I mean, it was about 2010. I seen a picture of an XR bully and me and my wife, we had Staffordshire Terriers and, and I said to her, can I get one? And she said, not a chance. Um, and just as it, as it, I mean, this is even part of today's topic. I mean, it just so happens, the bad luck. I mean, I seen the dog on Facebook. I showed my wife it and she Googled it and that dog had actually bit somebody. And that's why it was on Facebook. And I was like, right. So she said, no, you're not having one, basically. Anyway, we'd, we'd moved to a rougher area. And our staff, he was 13 now. He was old. We had a French bulldog. And to get some life back into me, but a Frenchie. Anyway, he died of cancer. And I wanted him to be my last ever staff, I'll tell you. It was just heartbreaking. I had to, that was the first dog I'd ever put to sleep myself, you know, um, because of the, the cancer that he had. And it was heartbreaking. And my wife turned around and said to me, I said, listen, we need a big dog. This is a very rough area. If a dog just kind of withers in the window, we're not going to get broken into, are we? Because it's a high crime area. And she says, okay. So I was looking at American Bulldogs. I've always liked American Bulldogs. They're quite functional dogs. I've been a fitness trainer all my life. So I thought, yeah. And then she said to me, why don't you get one of these American bullies that we were talking about years ago? And she had a friend that um, bred them. We got in contact with him and he bred the pocket variant, the smaller one. I wanted a smaller dog. Um, so we got one. And it wasn't like, as you see on Instagram and things like that, becoming a kennel. It was purely just as a companion, a dog for the house as well. So nobody would think twice about breaking in if they saw a dog in the window, a nice dog, a big dog. And she was getting on with the Frenchie, but they couldn't play together really. The, the XR body was so fitter and faster and more powerful in the fields. And she was getting older, about six, seven months now. So she did quite a short XL as well. We got a boy. We, we went and bought a, a playmate for her. And kind of, you become hooked on dogs in a different level then. And for the first time ever, I'd really kind of looked possibly into the breeding side. And um, they weren't cheap dogs. So I thought if I have a litter, make a little bit of money, pay for itself, that's that's okay. And then, you know, I got told if you want to have a litter, you'd have to get an Instagram page, You're not the kind of dogs that you'd sell in the local paper, as I've done over the years gone by. I was never really an internet person, so I made an Instagram page and just watched the world go by for about eight to ten months and just absorbed it. 
and seeing if it was if it was for me really because I'm, I'm a bit of an introvert like that you might see me a lot on instagram but you don't see me much in public and one thing led to another and you know things take off and you're fully invested and then i become a bit of an advice page about when i was about 18 months into these dogs and that was about five years ago and i just decided that through my fitness background and dietary background as a personal trainer that it seemed to gel very well with the dogs i studied the raw diet i studied the exercise in the dogs i understood the biomechanics of the dogs is similar to a human in, in muscle actions and kind of started to help people and questions coming thick and fast to help people and then obviously the questions that i didn't know the answer to i had to study and it opens up a whole new area then and then you're looking into other aspects and yeah, it kind of went on. We, ne we never had lots of litters. We have a litter about every 18 months. So we don't have many, but, you know, we've given a lot of advice out over the years. and it's, it's been good. So how long ago was it that you got your first XL then? First XL would have been late, early, very early 2017, January. Right, right, right. And I mean, it's obvious to anyone that goes on your Instagram I think that's where you you mostly hang out, isn't it? Instagram. That's yes. It's, it's obvious to anyone that you know you're someone that's extremely passionate about the breed. Yes. Um, what can you tell us a bit more about the history of XLs? Because actually, is you know, it's not as simple as looking up the history of like a Labrador, right? You can just no. go to Wikipedia and it's like all there. Like, what can you tell us more about the history of XLs? Yeah, I mean, there's two. If you come into the XL. If you come into the Excel world a few years ago, you'd have gone and got an Embark test. And Embark, I don't think it's the right way, but from three generations of saying a dog is an Excel bully, it will store it as that, and it comes back Excel. But I seen what we call a high diversity in the breed, and I went down the wisdom panel route. I watched them what was really inside my dogs, and that they don't acknowledge the breed. So you see multiple dogs inside the Excel bully. And then I used to start to research it. And the best way to research it is to talk to people that were back at the time in America. So I spent a lot of the time not speaking to people from Britain, but speaking to people from America in my, in, in my start. And I said, I was just monitoring our Instagram. I was talking then, really. I wasn't putting much up, but I was talking to the kennels in America. So around the late 80s, early 90s, there were what we... It, now, we could say Dave, Dave Wilson is the creator of the ABKC which is the um, the American Bully Kennel Club, but he wasn't really the creator of the breed itself. There were, there was dogs known as bully dogs. Um, actually, my friend had one in Wales in 1998, the first one I ever saw. He actually showed me it was a hell of a big dog. And he just said, it's basically a throw together of various Mastiff and bull breeds. So depending on what type you like in the XL, it would just be simply down to the genetics that they hold and the percentages of them. So when it first started, these were shorter dogs that were quite thick in stature. And it would, they were essentially what we call an American Staffordshire Terrier, not a pit bull, a bit of a difference to a pit bull. If you actually see the two, the American Staffordshire Terrier was fully developed in the 70s for the AKC as a singular breed. And it's a more of a stockier breed of a bigger head, more muscular calmer in nature, no prey drivers such there, no gameness that the pit bull would have or be trained to have. And it was then crossed into a Staffordshire Bull Terrier to make it a little bit shorter. So when the ABKC first started in 2004, the actual height of the breed was 17 to 20 inches. Now that would be classed as a standard in today's world. It wouldn't be tall enough. So that was kind of the popularity. Dave Wilson had his own bloodline called Razor's Edge. 
And there was a little bit of what we call paper hanging going on. Now, this is where they don't stick to, say, the Staffordshire over an Amstaff type. Some English bulldog would have been used, and the dog gets a, a thicker body, more muscle, a larger head. So, again, then you're pulling away from this Amstaff style of dog, and you're pushing more into a, a bulldog style, in essence. And what happened was at the time was there was another registry called the UKC, and under the Amstaff, the American Stafford umbrella, you'd see a lot of dogs that were very tall and very big. The old school breeders that were around, you know, 15, 20 years ago, they, they, they called them XL pits because it was meant to be a large pit bull looking dog. So, but you could actually, if you were, if you had a keen eye and you knew your massive breeds, it was pretty, pretty much looks sort of like a Presser Canario. It's that style of dog, but a bit leaner and quite tall. And these dogs were like, 25 inches at the wither, some of them, but they were very popular. Um, some of these dogs were very famous in that world of dogs. People would stop and pull over if they saw them in their cars in the street and take photos of them. So they opened the XL category at some point in the ABKC, and this was to allow taller dogs in. But when you're allowing taller dogs in, you've got to bear in mind it, we're not talking about Amstaff and Stafford anymore. We're now talking of various Mastiff types and American Bulldog types, which American Bulldog in its essence is very close to an XL bully. If you look at the Johnson line that was developed in the 60s and 70s, that dog itself would have been the old English Bulldog mixed with a Pitbull Terrier and several Mastiff types. So with just a second, Howard, with the American yeah. Bulldog, that is a confusing term, I find, because there are people seem to refer to different things when they say American Bulldog because there's also the breed American Bulldog which kind of looks like a like a white boxer doesn't it yes and then you and then you have like uh you know you have all of the like maybe not registered breeds like the leave it Bulldogs and stuff yeah. like that oh we big yeah so, so when you say American Bulldog, what what kind of dog right, are you okay, talking so about? Okay, so you've got you've got the OEB that was um, that's the Leave It type. It's a very healthy dog um, that was created by David Levitt in in the seventies. I think it was like seventy one. He started with that. That was an English. He tried to recreate the old English Bulldog. It's extinct from the bull baiting ban in eighteen thirty five. There was still a few around them, but not enough to make the dog. On the other side, in the American Bulldog type, there was. There was, um, there was two people. There was John Johnson and there was Alan Scott. And they wanted to make the American Bulldog. And they were bringing it back as, again, the, some of these English Bulldogs that were extinct were still around in, in agricultural lands then. But as things were changing, they weren't needed for working stock anymore. So they were dying out. So they, again, they grabbed a few of them, but not enough to make a bloodline or to make a breed because you'd have been inbreeding too much. And they used, they won't tell you exactly what they did. If you look at the Scott type, that's the American Bulldog, but Scott type, it's a sports performance dog. And it's more like a larger pit bull in, in essence, like an athletic type. And then you've got the Johnson line, its own bloodline in the American Bulldog type. And then you've got the mixture of the two, which is just classed as an American Bulldog. And that's in kind of in no man's land and down to the preference of the person that owns one. So they are tall, big, powerful dogs. Um, we never see or hear many attacks off those dogs, but they were, they were an acquired taste. And that's where things change with the American Bully. The American Bully become a fashion designer type. And that's what we had issues. So when you talk about the American Bulldog, you're not talking about the 
because there's an American bulldog that's registered by the kennel club, right? And I, and I think the American kennel club, you know, the 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 just it, to me, it just looks like a white boxer. I'm sure the American yeah. bulldog people would hate me for that. <laughs> you know, you know which dog I'm referring to. I think so. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, um, so that's not what we're talking about, basically. If you look at um, a Johnson line American bulldog, Jesus, they are they're huge. Um, they can go up to see the American. What the thing is, if you look at if you look at genetics, I study genetics a lot, and there are several mutations that make dogs taller, and they're found in a lot of mastiff breeds. So when we look at mastiff breeds, they're always tall, aren't they? They, they all carry these genes. But with the American bulldog being a pit bull infusion with a English bulldog and the mastiff, the actual breed guidelines go from 22 inches at the shoulders up until 28 to 30. And that gives it that diversity. And we see the same in the XL. And I think that's why they've recently typed this dog as anything over 19 inches, yeah. up to anything as tall as possible. Yeah. So, um, you know, another thing that gets debated is, you know, why was this breed created? Like, what what is its purpose? You know, if you talk about Labrador retrieving dogs, talk about collies herding dogs, you know, um, a lot of people will say, the XL bully is a fighting dog, but to my knowledge, I don't, I don't, I mean, in, and this is why you're on the show. I don't know of anyone um, ever fighting XL bullies. I'm sure no. it's happened, but like, it's not a regular thing, right? Yeah. You'd be insane to fight a dog like that. I mean, these are companion dogs. So they're designer dogs, you know, they're like a, a fashion accessory, which is whole to say. And that's what worried me because people were, I thought if people, people change fashions, they get bored of fashions. And we have that old saying, a dog is for life, not for Christmas. And I felt COVID was a bit like Christmas and people rushed in. So as you were saying there, what what dog is it? I mean, when I was a child, my friends, some of my friends had Pesa Canarios. I mean, to have a dog like that, you'd have to be really passionate about those dogs and know everything about them. They were working type, but they were a large, energetic, powerful dog. What confused people with XL bullies is they are still large, powerful, energetic dogs. And even though they make great companions, they do need a lot of exercise. This is what happens. I mean, the, ex, the, the actual American bully, the smaller standard type, was a purely a show dog. The only way you made any money in that world was having a show dog. The UKC under the Amstaff where these XL pits were coming on. These weren't so much show dogs now. These were a designer, big, powerful looking dogs. It was a bit like what you'd see on a film or something, you know, junkyard dog, you know, with cop tears somewhere and people like that. Um, you see them on gangster rap videos and things like that. But people just do like big dogs, but you know, big dogs do come with responsibilities. So it is in essence a show dog that went down the designer route and where the designer route came in was with the colors and patterns. I think Bossy Cannons first really cropped that in America with bringing in some points on the dogs and lilac colors, you know, so they got very expensive, very quick. Okay. So like when we talk about pit bulls, you know, yeah. um, pit bulls have a predisposition to dog aggression because that's what they were yeah. bred to do, you know? Yeah. Uh, so when so then when we bring that to XL bullies, did you find or in your experience has a lot of that instinct been retained or has it been bred away from? Um, well, the problem today if we look at human aggression. I've not seen any reported human aggression in dogs, but they are quite reactive to other dogs sometimes. And I say this in the nicest way because we all know that smaller dogs 
feel threatened by big dogs in the streets and they bark and they you know go crazy. And I was having this debate with um, a, a behavioural specialist and I said to her this, I said, you know, how many times do my dogs have to walk down the street and little dogs just terrorise them till my dogs eventually start to act back? Currently they don't, but at some point they might. So that's the problem again, you know, they are so big and powerful. You really do have to understand your dog and have to understand the situations they could be in. They're not bred to fight. There is no gameness in these dogs. And if you, I mean, when I first bought um, an XR bully, and even before that in the past with Staffordshire Bull Terriers, you know, I, I let them look into that world a little bit of fighting dogs and realising, have I got any risks here? You know, when I got at my first XL, I had two children. And I've got to think to myself, these are going to be around my kids. So I looked into that world of fighting dogs and I looked into the world of the Amstaff. So if you look on, if you look in the wisdom panel of the genetics of these dogs, we don't see any pit bull in these dogs usually. We just see Amstaff in them. There's a lot of Amstaff. You see around about 70% in these dogs. Do Embark even have Pitbull listed, though? Because that's not a registered breed either, right? I think they do. Um, you just don't see it very much because pretty much now you've got about seven, eight generations in on Embark, so they just come back as XR bully all the time. You do see a little, but in essence, again, you know, you'll see OEB in these dogs, and OEB is a Pitbull you know, infused breed, and we don't see them biting anybody you know so you have to say to yourself that the 17 percent pitbull in oeb and we don't see them reacting like that and there's less pitbull in these we look at the other side of things the am staff those they are show dogs for 50 years they've been bred to be show dogs and we're talking like the xl bully you know a show dog in a room with 500 dogs and people everywhere rushing past and no one's being attacked or getting bitten so well, we should talk a bit about dog aggression because I think um, there's if if people aren't coming from like a a strong understanding of behavior they might like misunderstand like with um, dog to dog aggression with pit bulls they were obviously bred for that at one point in their history as dog fighting dogs and even to this day there are some pit bulls that are going to have a predisposition to dog to dog aggression that is is entirely divorced from aggression to to humans unless you know, it's like the dog gets in a fight with another dog and someone gets bit and trying to split it up. That's obviously different. Um, however, there are many people that have even uh, pit bulls that are aggressive to other dogs and it's not really a problem. They just manage it. They stay away from other dogs or or, or whatever. And that's just a choice. And, and that's about being a responsible dog owner if you have that kind of dog. So dog to dog aggression in itself isn't necessarily very problematic if you have someone that is responsible and knows how to manage it however it starts to become a problem when you don't have that person right when you have like a really irresponsible person they're taking dog down the park letting them off lead and they're attacking other dogs um so and and i think that's one thing maybe that's been a bit of a lesser issue but it's one thing that has been spoken about of xl bullies is is dog on dog attacks i mean i think one of the first cases one of the first fatalities that got got really blew up was the was the dog walker, right? It was just walking the XL bully, and it's. I mean, I don't know the full details. I'm just speculating, but it sounds like maybe there's a fight or a commotion of some sort, and she she got bitten in in that process, and uh, and obviously, unfortunately, died. So, um, so yeah, I just wanted to clarify that with dog dog aggression because I think sometimes if we start talking about aggression, people are thinking dogs attacking people, and that's like we'll get to that but that's that's not what i'm talking about right now 
So yeah, I just was curious if you had if you had noticed a lot of that instinct being retained, or actually if you felt like that was something that had no. I mean, been moved what, away what, from. what's worried me with my dogs is if I'm in the park, I always I only only ever ever let my dogs off in in, in gated areas that allowed for exercise, and we go to our park. Someone's in there. You wait. They come out. You go in. They know usually I'm a bit cheeky. I've been there for a bit longer because I like to work my dogs a little bit and tie them out. So that's the only time I've let my dogs off. But people that buy dogs, and we're talking about any breed, you know, they just assume that their dog's going to be fine and friendly. Now, smaller dogs can act aggressively towards big dogs that are fear. And when I walk onto my, my local park, my dogs are on leads. If I see a dog running around in the distance, I get a little bit scared because I know if that dog does try and bite my dog, my dog will probably would kill it. And that worries me. So if I'm walking, say, towards somebody and they run, because they usually panic, and they'll run and pick up their dog, terrified, as if my dog is the aggressor, and it's not. So I now I to question these people. I'll walk towards them even quicker while I run away. If they say, I'll just speak to you for one second, please. And I'd say to them, why are you grabbing your dog and running away? My dogs, I can show you they're fine. They're not going to bite your dogs. They're fine. They're friendly. The way you're acting is a bit strange. And nine times out of ten, they will turn around and say, my dog isn't no. My dog can be snappy. And I, and I have to say to them, so why is it off a lead? And why haven't you seen a behavioral specialist? And they don't want to have that. So I do walk, I, one day I was going to film it just to show people. My local park at night at six o'clock, but I never go there. There's a lot of dogs there. And there's a lot of fights. And these fights break out all the time. And they're just like spaniel dogs or collies. And they are literally fighting for several seconds. They get split up and it happens again and again. And these people... They don't try to stop it in any way, shape, or form much. This just carries on. And I can't, and after I walk near that park, as again, they they put the dogs on leads terrified and make me look like the bad person. So, as dogs being aggressive on dogs, mine, no, mine aren't. Um, I do socialize with my dogs a lot. They understand. We've got quite a lot of dogs, so they all play with each other and they're, they're used to that. Um, so, it's not too bad for me. But, you know, I can talk from my point of view for what I've seen, and my, my dogs are fine. My dogs have been attacked by other dogs. Um, last year, Temps, my small white one, she was attacked by a, like a statue teddy across, um, and she just screamed and cowered. You know, she didn't want to fight back, and it was on her head, and it wouldn't get go, me and the guy had to get a dog off. And then one of my larger dogs, Spectra, she was attacked by a cane corso a few months ago. He latched onto her head, and he wouldn't let go, and she was screaming, and she wasn't trying to fight back. It pinned her down um, to the point where my wife had to run home because we could not get that dog off. We, we tried. We tried choking this dog, everything to get it off, me and the owner. Couldn't get off. I'm panicking now. I think my dog's going to die. My wife come back with pepper and put pepper inside the dog's nose and mouth and it had to let go. It sneezed and the people got the dog off. Um, and she had a few stitches in the head. But again, my dogs didn't even try and fight back on those occasions, you know, not times. But they are my softer ones. They're not like the more reactive type that would be. If it was like our most reactive dog, which is called G-Unit, you know, she's older now, six, but she'd fight back. You know, for instance, so if a dog ever comes towards us and their dog's off the lead, I panic more with G because if that dog did try to fight, 100% she would fight back. While the rest of them, some of them are too soft. Like, I've got my biggest dog, Game, he's scared of cats, he's scared of other dogs, he's scared of trousers. You wouldn't think it, him being the biggest one, but he's terrified of a lot of things. Just his soft, soft nature. Yeah, if you um talk to any dog trainer, I mean, the funny thing is, you know, when you speak to dog trainers, almost 
all dog trainers I know actually avoid city parks because yeah. I think we all just get so fed up of just people in these city parks with no control of their dogs. Yeah. You know, they're just running around causing mayhem and exactly what you said, you know, they're getting in fights every two minutes. And then the problem is your dog starts accruing these bad experiences. And then before you know it, you've got, you know, your dog is one of them. You've got a dog yeah. that's like reactive and whatnot. So all the dog trainers I speak to actually tend to avoid city parks, to be honest, just get fed up of it, you know? Unfortunately, park around here and that's the problem with us it's and it's so busy yeah and and you know this is you know this is inherently you know part of the struggle with with such a big powerful dog and obviously there's lots of different breeds that are big and powerful um but you know exactly what you said when they do get into a fight it's it's probably going to be quite one way you know with most yeah. dogs they come across um you know i i have done a lot of training with a lot of dogs and I quite like playing tug and, you know, messing around yeah. and, you know, uh, getting quite physical with dogs, but in a playful way. And I, you know, I've played with XL bullies and the power is quite mm. like, it's, you know, it's quite like a surprise if you haven't felt it before, you know, it's like bloody hell. Like, you know? Yeah. You're extremely strong. <laughs> yeah, totally. Totally. So, and anytime you've got a larger dog, you have even more like responsibility to make sure that you have the training and everything, right? Because yes, and that's what's worrying to me. When when COVID kicked off, we seen something that was unheard of. This was people that had never owned dogs buying eight in one go, a ten kennel set up in the back garden as if they'd done it all their life. And, you know, you know yourself, when you've got eight dogs, it's a bit different now. You've got a pack of dogs, haven't you? And there'll be a hierarchy in that pack, and you've got to understand those males, those alpha types that could be more dominant over the, the rest. And it's it was so frustrating for me to see these people rushing in. And like I said, I bought one, we bought another one, we bred them, we kept one, and we, we built it up slowly um, over seven years. But the way people were just rushing in and then buying, the, what was even more scary to me, they were buying adult dogs as going concerns from America and knew nothing about it. And of course, the American guy who's selling the dog for a lot of money, is not going to tell you any triggers, is he? He's not going to say, this dog doesn't like these things. If I was ever going to buy an adult dog, which I've never done in my life, I would seek someone like yourself and say, can you check this dog over for me? Because I've got children. So test any triggers and let me know what you think. And if you said to me, whoa, you know, this dog is, is out of control, you know, it'd be going back to where it came from or I'd be, you know, if it was totally out of control, it'd have to be put down. And that is what worries me. You know, people were just, it was getting pushed around like it was too lucrative, too alluring, designer type looking. This is so easy. And it's not, it's, it's a hard life for big dogs like that. You know, it's nonstop. Yeah. It's funny you say that because, you know, we have parallels to other breeds, you know, for example, when people go, into Europe and they want to buy Malinois or they want to buy German Shepherds. Like the joke is always that they want, they'll all sell you the dogs they don't want. Yeah. <laughs> you know? yeah. <laughs> you know? And that's, that's how it goes. But you're right. That was, that was definitely a phenomenon. Like, and I think that that was another thing from someone that isn't like, I don't really consider myself a bully person. Like I was, I'm a dog person. And, you know, when, so, you know, every breed I know, the puppies, unless you have like, you know, like for example, you have like a farm collie or something that is basically seen as a tool. Like the puppies are going for like between one and two grand. 
you know, mm. and then you look at XL bullies and the prices were insane, you know, like in comparison, you know, like they got really, really high. And then it seems like to me, it started to become a little bit like a pyramid scheme where it's like, and, and I imagine that's why people were rushing out buying adult dogs because it's like people wanted to, uh, like the only reason they were paying those prices is so they could then breed and then, you know, they're just seeing, seeing money signs. Definitely. Um, it was, it was, it was terrifying and it was weird because people kept on you coining the term that quality doesn't come cheap. And I couldn't quite understand that. And the dogs are being priced by the color, the pattern, the uniqueness of the pattern, the kennel it came from. And then being in the vice page, you see a totally different side of that world. You start to see the, the arguments, the problems of the dogs. These dogs are high in dysplasia, they have bad joint disease. So you've got me screen very few dogs are screened for it. We screen all our dogs here, but that is pretty much unheard of in the bully world. So a lot of fast deals were made based on cash. You know, there wasn't so much talking about these. My page, if you look on my page, you see a lot of stuff on dogs. And, you know, it's all about dogs and everything around them. But people were just going crazy and spending ridiculous amounts of money. Just, and I, you could just see what it was. You could see it was going to go bust. They're not a dog for everyone. It had to crash. And they were treating it, they were calling it the bully market. And I said one time, if you treat it like a market, it's going to crash. You know, these are meant to be dogs for life. And... All of a sudden, because a new colour or pattern would come in, another pattern would be seen worthless. And then dogs would just shift it or bred to the new pattern as quick as they could. And for an extreme version of that, you look at the French bulldog market. That's what they just change all the time. And somebody recently that I have a lot of respect for has just bred hairless XL bullies. And as if they're lucrative. And I, I said, the dogs, that's that's the dog's female regulator system. Not you need her. You know, these dogs have hairs for reasons and you just do one without any hair. How does it protect itself in the winter or the summer? But it was it was happening and it was it was insane. And a lot of those kennels that came in made a lot of money have now gone, you know, they disappeared, sold stock and went. And people have got those dogs and we don't know if the people that were selling originally knew anything about dogs or what, you know, what treatment those dogs had or what, what they went through. You know, it's a bit like the horrors that you see in a chicken farm sometimes, you just don't know what they've been through with those animals or anything like that. And it was a big concern for me. When people come to buy a puppy off me in the past, they would get a lecture and they'd have to sit down for three hours and listen to me talk. And I would <laughs> say, well, do you want to be a breeder? Because this is what it is and it's not a great life. And it's nonstop. And, you know, one guy came last year and I had to, he, he looked very slim, very small. And I just said to him, this is going to be a big, powerful dog, you know, and they play. Can you, can you handle a dog like that? We got him in the street and I, I just got him to hold the lead and called game and called him and he couldn't hold him back. He just dragged him like he was on skis down the street. And I said, do you understand that? You know, you can have to, you should be getting, going to the gym or getting some obedience lessons on the dog to understand that because you've got a plan out of that dog doing that. So game would never pull me down the street like that. He only did it because I called him, it was fun. But do you see what I'm saying? And he had no idea how, how strong they can be. You know, so a lot of people, they rushed in and, it, you know, dogs got dumps now. They, and the dogs were getting dumps before this, this band came in. 
people were passing them around. They didn't want them. They weren't worth anything anymore. Yeah, exactly. When the market started crashing, right? And also you saw one thing that I thought was really telling was, you know, you go on people's Instagram and all of a sudden the XLs have all been, you know, forgotten about and they're breeding Frenchies now. Yes. I watched the program. <laughs> I think it was on Panorama, wasn't it? So about the bully, the dog boom. And it said, this person said, you can tell when somebody's purely into the money because I've bought six different breeds. You know, and you look in the background and there's big British Bulldogs and Frenchies there and they just do a bit of anything. And I had this discussion with someone yesterday. I said, the way the law's set up with the exemption process, I can't keep my dogs. I'm not allowed to have them at this, at this residence. Um, it's in my tenancy. I said, and it's heartbreaking for me. I'm at the point now where do I trust we can win this in court or do I, well, I've got time rehoming and board. Either way, it's going to be a heartbreaking scenario. I said, if I was a breeder, it would be no big thing. I would just see them as cash, sell them, buy some franchises and crack on. I said, after this and 42 years of dog ownership, I'll never recover. I'll never own a dog again. This would just, just absolutely destroy me. So the point I'm at will be January the 1st, I would have to get the vet out and put them all to sleep, which is, my wife was crying about this morning, just talking about it. She said, I don't want to hear it. And, or... Do I send them abroad? But, you know, again, dogs are seen as cash and they get mistreated and who knows where they end up. You know, it's, that's terrifying in itself. Like I said, again, being the vice page, you, you do hear some horrors in this world. And my dogs are like my children to me, so the thought of them being mistreated. And then we won, let's say, and I could have got them back and I can't. You know, it's, um, it's a horrible situation right now for a lot so, of people. So your tenancy agreement says... No, no banned breeds. Is that what it yeah, is? No banned breeds. Yeah. Have you already spoken to the landlord or not? Yeah, we had, we had a massive conversation when I first come in <laughs> eight years ago, and they thought my staffy would might have been a pit. I said no, yeah. it's just a poor staffy, yeah. um, because you know we're against that. We don't have any banned breeds on properties because they got quite a lot. They're about forty properties. Hmm. They're not a problem. And so and then so when when the ban first got announced and people weren't sure if it was going to go through, I did the live talk and you could see the tears in my eyes because I knew what was coming. And I was just like, this is going to be about three months' time. You know, I'm going to be saying one way or another, saying goodbye to my dogs. And no, I just want, I wanted to talk to you about this because it's really important that people hear people's personal experiences because there's a lot of people that will be listening to this that don't even know anyone with an XL bully. Probably, like, there's a lot of people that haven't even met one, you know? Um, so it's really, I think, valuable for people to understand the personal side of things, like the personal experience of like this dilemma of what you're going to do. And the, the tenancy agreement one is particularly like venomous, I think, like, you know, because a lot of people will say, hey, it's not that bad. You know, sure, you have to put, put a dog on a muzzle and a lead and, you know, that sucks. But, you know, it, it's not the end of the world. Um, but the tenancy agreement seems to be the big thing that is actually messing with a lot of people. Um, most councils, they don't allow them. And most housing associations are sending letters out now to say to people, we know you have an XR bully, it must be gone in January or February latest. Yeah. So, um, they're really being told that they're aware that we have those dogs. So um, a lot of people, and this is what the government have suggested, that they will pay £200 towards the euthanasia of your dog because they know damn well that these people can't have these dogs come January it's not so they're going to say oh we've had 50,000 XR bullies handed in for euthanasia these people never cared about them but the people have got no choice because even if the people chose to be homeless you can't have one homeless once exempt 
So what do you do? And and the thing is, the rescue centers now are saying, you know, we can't take XL bullies because we might get stuck with them. You know, if we don't, if if we can't rehome them in time, we're going to have a whole kennel full of XL bullies. We have nothing we can do with other than put down. So it, it's, yeah, it's, it's a tricky situation to navigate right yeah. now. I mean, I was talking to my wife the other day because um, her nan was in the Second World War when she was a child. And it's a bit like that, where you had to give your kids up in the World War and just, they just move across the country. I couldn't do that, but you had to do that, you know. And I said, and in the First World War, in the first week, 750,000 dogs were called because they said, you know, you're best calling your dog, you only have to force a feed it soon. And it's, I'm going, and I've, I've read those things in the past and sat and thought, thank God we don't live in that time. And now, I'm facing a similar fate. Yeah, when you see the old videos, I think people should look for these if they haven't seen them, the old videos of people's pit bulls being taken away when that was, you know, when that band came in and people crying and the police being at the house and stuff. And um, these aren't dogs that have, like, done anything. They're not dogs that have bitten people or anything. They just, because they look a certain way, they've been been banned. Um, or, like, uh, you know, whatever, they couldn't get the exemption, who knows what. Um, and it's really, really sad. Like, There's one thing no one spoke about, and it's worrying for me, not as well as a, as a person that cares about dogs and people. Um, there's been no mention of an assessment. And I was, I'm worried that the people that do go down the exemption route might get a letter in six months' time saying, your dog's due for an assessment. And that would be a similar fate again, because we know the BSL assessment doesn't work. Does it really? A lot of dogs die that are just scared under the tests and the, you know, the situation you the tests are performed. So I'm wondering if they're gonna announce that, because that's you know, that's part of the law right now that they do with the other band breeds and BSL dogs. Are they gonna are these bullies gonna be subject to assessments? Yeah, I don't know. There's a lot of unanswered questions, but uh mm. yeah, it's really terrible, you know. I know people that you know, we've we've got a lot of clients with XL bullies. You know, there's people that are scared to walk their dogs because they're scared that someone's going to maliciously report them, say yeah. their dog did something when it didn't, just to try and cause an issue uh, because of the stuff they're seeing on the news. I, I, it's it's really horrible to think about, to be honest. I mean, pe- people, some people, people that don't own dogs don't quite understand about dogs and the, the, you know, the bond between the person and the dogs. And I was 18 years old and I'd got evicted from a flat. I lost my job and I had a staffy called Tyson. And my mum and dad were just adamant, I mean, you're not coming home with that dog. We're not having a dog in the house. You know, I, let, I slept for nine months in the abandoned flat just with no electrical water and homeless because I wasn't going to give up on my dog, you know. And it was Christmas Day. My dad seen me in the street and he never knew I was homeless. And he said, well, where have you been? And he started crying, he hugged me and he made my mum take the dog in. And they did, you know, but that was me. I was not going to give up on my dog. You know, it's just, it was that hard a choice to do. So just people that love dogs, you know, people need to understand. And it's different this time because this happened. A lot of people bought these dogs in COVID and we were with these dogs 24 hours a day. The bond is so strong with them. And now the pressure people are being put on, for, like you said, from the public, looking at these dogs in a totally different light now, as if they're dangerous, you know, where they were smiling to you last summer and saying, beautiful dog, patting it on the head, and now they're running across the road and screaming, it's one of those XL bullies. It's it's a shame. And it's, it's not the way they are. If they were so dangerous, you know, I mean... The Home Secretary reported that there's 10,000 in the country, and we know official figures are 100,000. Never mind 
the unofficial figures, that'd be a lot, lot more than that than the ones in the typing of the dog. So, you know, if they were so bad, I think we'd see a lot of attacks. It comes down to human negligence in my in my irresponsible owners or just really bad people that own dogs. Um, a lot of these dogs that did attack have been passed around a lot, multiple homes before them. They'll have multiple triggers in these dogs, you know. So it, it's, it, it's seems, it seems to me as well like... Uh that actually a lot of it is just media frenzy. You know, we have had like, you know, um, when you look at the dog fatality numbers, they have doubled and that's, you know, so it's, it's, it's a conversation worth, worth having, but they are actually shockingly small. You know, they were kind of like four people a year, you know, three, you know, like fluctuates every year, but it's kind of around that gone up to eight this year. It was 10 last year. But but there's no context there. There's no like cows kill more people every year. More yeah. far more people die falling out of bed every year. You know, like what like when you actually compare it to other causes of death, we're talking about a, a tiny percentage of people that doesn't really warrant the media frenzy that's going on right now. No. To me, you know. But I think it's kind of it sells papers, doesn't it? You know, it's like it's uh, something that is. Uh, you know, it's it's obviously horrible to see a, a dog attack, um, and you know, it's just it's something that people can point at. And yeah. it's like you know, I said I said it last week. It's the same with people. You you get a hundred people in the room. Some of them people are going to abuse their kids. Some of them people are going to be very violent, and some people are going to be really nasty to some dogs that they bought in COVID that they didn't really want in the long run or didn't expect, you know, and they bought it because they thought there might be some money there before it was, they were given the dog for free and they just took it for whatever reasons. And I think, you know, these dogs were treated really bad. And, you know, you can see why, why, these, um, why these attacks have happened. It's a shame they did. And I said... Two years ago, we, we need something in place because it was an attack then. I said, we need something in place that gives the dog some sort of like an MOT. You know, you go and see someone like yourself. You'll do a series of tests of human aggression. The dog fails. You just say, there's your, there's your fail. Dog must wear muslin public at all times. It's on a chip on the, on the collar or something. Please can swipe it. If your dog isn't wearing the muslin public, you get sent to prison or fine. Dog gets taken off you. If the dog's absolutely out of control, you have to see the dog on the spot and say, you can't have this dog. You know, it's, it's, it's crazy. So I think that would have stopped a lot of things. But as the problem with the government is the government just seems to wait until these things get worse and worse and then eliminate it, you know, off the back of... I mean, you haven't even told us what the breeds were in fact that did the attacks yet. They yeah, just I was going to bring that up because when you actually look at the fatalities, you know, a lot of them aren't confirmed. You know, there's actually not a lot of dogs that were confirmed to be XL bullies. Um, not not very many at all. And when you look at the videos, some of you know some of the videos that have been posted, they don't even you know some of these dogs don't even look like XL bullies. Yeah, I mean that's the that's the problem with it, isn't it? It's just um, it all seems very convenient at the time, and when they have to retract it and apologise, it's usually um, when it, when it happens, it's on the front page. And then when you find that it's not an example, it's on page 42 in the bottom corner. Yes. And, and I mean, I've experienced this on a local level. You know, I've seen like people posting on Facebook groups, hey, an XL bully is attacking dogs in the park. And they post a photo and it's just clearly not an XL bully. But because of all this, this term has been put in people's heads, you know, uh, with, with it being in the news all the time, it's just, it's the first thing that people think, oh, it must be that kind of dog um, if, they, if they don't know better. 
you mentioned earlier about Kane Corsos and you know I'm not one of these people that wants to shit on another breed because I think uh you know breed specific legislation is is bad no matter what and Kane Corsos can be lovely dogs but I have to say I see way more bad breeding in Kane Corsos than I I have done in XL Bullies um yeah I mean I think the problem with the Kane Corso and the Presser Canario they've gone with them 2,000-year-old working-type dog in their mind, and they feel that it must do some sort of protection work. And, you know, and if the person that's doing the cheap version of the protection work, which I've seen a lot on Instagram, even with bullies, the 9.99 sleeve off Amazon and the guy in the street waving a stick around, and you're like, listen, you're doing it right now for money, and there's no training here. There's no out on the dog. They're not pulling it away on each other. The tape just ends when he grabs something. And I was worried to say, well, where, where are them dogs going to end up when they're, they're not worth anything to these people? Because the dog's just being trained to bite people, you know, and, and with the, even like you say, and that was another thing Dave Wilson, the CEO of um, the ABKC first mentioned, he said, these dogs that are attacking aren't my dogs. And what he meant was they are more the pit mastiff type that looks a bit similar to a bully. These are working dogs from, you know, Europe, from Europe, Slovakia, Romania. And there's a fashionable type of dog in that working. To me, you know, I, I don't know why I would want a dog to do that, you know, to do that. But if I was in that industry where I'd need a human protector, I'd go to a trained professional. I mean, a dog that is fully trained and it's already two years of age, you know, and it does its job. But if I had a, a business where I'd need that, you know. Yeah, I, you know, I've been, I've had people reach out to me actually wanting to, to like, make sure that this point is uh made because i recent more recently i've got more and more involved in protection sports mm. i would do a little bit of igp here in the uk and um i think people the people from that community are worried that they're going to get thrown in with the idiots in the park mm. you know and and the the problem the people that are doing that kind of stuff are not in any way yeah. the idiots you know um i mean with, with the, at that level of it professional level yeah that's what I mean. If I'm going to go and get a dog, I get it from a professional. I think with the fatalities, though, Howard. I, I mean, I, I mean, we don't know, I guess. But there's never, I've never seen any mention of anyone doing any bite training on any of those dogs that were. It just, um, I mean, we. I, I guess I said two years ago, I'm walking. People, when I first got XLs in Liverpool, there wasn't many in Liverpool. It was probably about one of five people that own one. And within a few years, especially in COVID, you know, I was I'm walking down, you know, quiet by the canal with my dogs, and there's a gang of lads with an XL bully hanging off a branch, you know, in a video, and they're, and they're getting it to go crazy. And I'm just looking across, thinking, Jesus Christ, no, you know, because them guys are not going to own that dog for its full life, and all that dog is known is to rip things apart, you know. And it's just a bit, I don't know, you know. It's um, it was worrying to see. I think there's. There's things for professionals to do, and there's there's people just own dog. Hundred oh, percent, yeah, yeah, hundred percent. I mean, it's yeah, it, but it's that kind of person, isn't it? They just don't give a shit about yeah. Any of they don't want to have a well-behaved dog. Often <laughs> was this is the biggest problem with all of it, and it's in, same in the perception section side of it or the show side of it. It was easy in Instagram to make it look as if you've done it for years. You'd have a following, which you could pay for followers. You have all these glossy videos and all that money you spent on this merchandise and these hoodies you were wearing. And if you actually went back on the photos, they stopped about six months ago when they've only been doing it six months. And that was, and it looked like they'd be professional dog handlers or breeders and they'd been doing it all their life. 
that was worrying, you know. It was it was made to look a certain way that it wasn't. You know all these documentaries that came out, like, I don't know how long ago it was now, like six, seven, eight months ago, you started getting the first, like, documentaries coming out criticizing the XL bully world in terms of the breeding practices that were going on. You know, you had yeah. the uptick in, in fatalities that they were tying to XL bullies. Mm-hmm. What do you think of the response to that in terms of from the XL bully community? Like, do you feel like they... That, that they responded in the right way or not? Do you know what? It's, it's a strange thing. It worries me now with what's going on now. I mean, you know, it, I, had, I had a bit of a falling out with some people that, in the protests recently in London, and it was the, the, the theme they were going with was let's muzzle Rishi Sunak, put a muzzle on him. But to do the judicial review, you know, you've got to... He's got to be the guy that thinks of the new law that goes in place. And if you if you really piss that guy off, he's going to make it worse, something alternative, but that will stick. So people are passionate about dogs, and this is what the problem is. They're that passionate. They, they say things always that they shouldn't always be saying or doing because they're passionate. And it's the same with the, the way the bully industry is. Sometimes in this industry, it's made it makes it look to make money, it just it makes it look totally what it's not. You know, you'll see advertisements with dogs that look a bit too designer. They've got people there looking like they're gangsters with guns. And it lures on the wrong people to have these dogs done to make money. But it's not real. It's like, like like rappers, isn't it? Rappers make themselves look like they're always in nightclubs getting high when they're not. They're in a studio making songs all day. They live quite recluse lives. Like 50 cents, they don't drink or take drugs, never have. I just into making money. But it'd make you believe he wasn't the way he makes his videos. And I think that was a sort of large thing with these dogs. People were using Instagram as a platform and they were thinking of ways to make money. It was different with me. I went down the health and structure route in dogs. And it's quite lucky for me because people that followed me or wanted to buy a dog with me, they were kind of geeky on dogs. And in the you know five years we've been breathing them um, we haven't had many litters but the ones we've had that none of those people have got rid of those dogs yet they still have them as pets and companions and they're in their houses you know they love those dogs to pieces um, while if you going down the more I don't really sell dogs to breeders they're more just people that own dogs in the breeding world and we see it in America and I don't like it I'm against it it's always about making moves and passing dogs around. You know, a female have had four litters with one kennel and she's getting moved to another one now. They're going to have a litter out of her as well. I feel the ABKC guidelines could be tighter. In the ABKC, you can breed a female six times to the age of 10 years old. I don't think no dog should be bred at nine years on a six litter. You know, it, it's kind of geared up that way. And people think if there's money in something, they're going to do it. And, you know, they'll just pass dogs around. I don't think it's fair at all. You know, I've still got the first dog I bought, you know, seven years old, nearly now, and that's, they're never going to go anywhere if you get if you get through this. So I've always said that as a breeder, I'll keep my foundation and their offspring, so I'd never get rid of them. But um, that day's coming, unfortunately. The initial criticism to me when you had, like, you mentioned the, uh, I think it was a panorama, and then around the same kind of time, there was another documentary that was kind of similar. And like, for me, I felt like it was a bad response at the time, you know, because sure, they said, you know, like I felt like it was a defensive response in terms of like, yeah, fuck you guys, you know, like you don't know anything, blah, 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 blah. But actually, I think that was the bad move. And, and this has changed more recently since 
they've announced that they're going to do the ban. Now everyone's putting out the content. Hey, no, these are nice dogs. These are family yeah. dogs. And it's like, guys, man, I wish you would have done this. I wish you would have done this earlier because I feel yeah. like that is what, what needed to happen. The last few years, I've been this guy in the background screaming, health structure, fucking x-ray your dogs. Don't fucking let your dogs off the leads in the streets. Sorry about swearing. Um, and I've been doing that because it's passionate to me. That's what I saw. So I've always been passionate about it. And they've always gone, oh, shut up, Howard. Jesus Christ, he's going on again. And I'm saying you're going to lose these dogs, guys. And I didn't think they would ban the breed because it's such high diversity and so many breeds inside it. But I knew there was going to be some absolutely extreme legislation that makes it not even worth owning one. And I was wrong, you know. They've uh, they typed it very wide, um, anything over 19 inches, muscular, short hair. Um, and they, they've done it, and now here we are. And everyone's turning around to me now and going, why didn't we listen to you, Howard? You know, you've been saying it for years. It's coming. And that's because as an advice page, you know, like, let's just say the police have been to someone's house about the dogs. I was listening to what the police were saying, not, not personally, but they were telling me through the people, obviously, directly. And the, the police were saying to these people over the years, these dogs will be quite exams. Don't, don't worry about that. We're pushing this. You know, it's they're going to go. And that was just from dogs being out of control in the park, you know, and off leads and fighting and things like that, as dogs do. But like we said at the start, a bully will usually win a fight with a smaller dog, you know. Yeah, absolutely. You know, one of the things that came up a lot in those documentaries was the cropping. And like, for example, um, you had, now correct me if I'm wrong, because this is your world, not mine, but it's, but the ABKC were allowing crop dogs in the show ring, for example. And, and obviously crop cropping has been illegal here f for the longest time. Um, also, I think for a lot of people, it seemed like, how can I put this? Well, put it? It's, more, it's more alluring. You buy a, more money for a dog with crop tears. Yeah, but for a lot of people, is is cropping is barbaric. It's like, yeah. why why are you, uh, you know, you're cropping these dogs. It's illegal to do in this country. This shows the kind of people that are owning these dogs that they don't give a fuck about the dogs. They're just going to crop them. Yeah. You know, cut their ears off and etc etc why why didn't why wasn't there more change in terms of just cropping even just cropping let's just take cropping it's a strange industry um, it was part of the design part of the look part of the alluring making money people wouldn't want a dog without boxes. It was part of the look of the dog. So when you saw basically what I said at the start, it's as simple as this. Some of these dogs, if they've got a set of floppy ears, you're staring straight at a Johnson line American Bulldog. You crop the ears, it becomes the American Bully. And it was to retain this American Bully look that has been in stigma for pit bulls for God knows how long. And, you know, it's a shame. It, it is a shame because ultimately, in the end, now there's the dogs that have suffered again, you know, and they're due to this and this this craze in these dogs. It's um, it's just the, the way it, they've been, the way the culture of these dogs is from day one. If if you go back in massive pictures of dogs hundreds of years ago, the ears are always cropped, and it's just the look and the the way it was. And I think there were certain dogs in the UK that were beautiful but because he had floppy ears nobody wanted to use the stud 
it was just it's strange and how a set of ears changes the appearance of the dog. And I, like I said to most people, if you've got an XR bully, it's quite tall, you've basically got an American bulldog. It's the same genetics in there, just the percentages are a little bit different, but it's ultimately the same dog, really, in one and all. Um, Didn't you it, change your opinion on cropping? Yeah, I changed it completely. Um, what happened to me was this. Um, I was tired of seeing faults on dogs, okay? So being a device page, the amount of dysplasia that I've seen, and that is such a horrible thing. It's a degenerative joint disease, and it only gets worse. No one really can afford the operations. It's like five grand a hit. You're paying 10,000 upwards if your dog's got off hip replacements, and uh, the rehabilitation that comes after it, you know, it's and no one's ever going to want to use the dog or anything again. So things got like that with me. I like, I always love taller dogs. So I'm not your typical show type of person. I bought a show type and I went to the first ABKC show. And there's a dog called Lucius the Lion, who's the Bossy Kennels import. He's quite tall and athletic. And because I've always liked athletic dogs, I was going to buy an American Bulldog before I got a bully. I seen him and I thought, I wonder how fast he can run. I wonder how agile he is, you know, such a big dog. I like I like dogs that are powerful and they can run fast. You know, I watch a lot of wildlife things. I like, like looking at lions and that, you know. So to me, I wanted a functional, and everything just started to change in my mind over the years. And then I decided to create my own type of dog and call it a Spartan type. And I was going to pull into the, the Mastiff types now more to, to into more to correct the structure you don't see a lot of displacement in some massive breeds are quite low and um, when i was messing around with bullies too much and looking into the bulldog side of it you're going to see more joint problems or what to the massive side with better structure so with the spawn type going forward there was no cosmetics at all would benefit you the only way you'd be benefited or make money in the Spartan type, we are going to have like a mini Olympics for a dog called Spartan Games. Every dog had to be EDHD screened for help with um, joint disease. Every dog has to have a low COI to improve health and vigor. And the only way your dog would be famous is be buying very well-trained because you had to be functional in front of a lot of people. And it would be the fastest, you know, series of weight pull and things like that. So that's the direction I was going in. Our latest dogs have got floppy ears and there was no problem with that. We just wanted to design a performance type of dog. And the idea was then it was to invite the world of sports dogs to our events to see how well a Spartan type would do against, you know, a massive type or a American Bulldog type in those ones. So it was a different angle for me, although not a popular one. We were about to launch the registry and nobody was interested because it was so difficult, you know, like I said, it wasn't just that your dog had to be EDHD clear, it had to have a really good score as well. Um, structure had to be perfect. And we're in the, in the fashion dog world where we don't really see the structure of these dogs too much. They just show you the front shot of it. They don't see around the back. You don't get to see the stifles or the, you know, the way the dog's built. So we do see a lot of problems with these bullies that aren't very, very well you know, looked after and it's all based on colours and patterns and no one pays a lot of attention to structure sometimes. Although they're a show dog, shows aren't popular very much. You know, if you've got a thousand bullies, you only have one or two going to a show, really. So it was a lot of emphasis for me. As of times had changed for me, it was about two and a half years ago, I just thought, I'm done with American bullies. In that way, I wanted to make my own type of dog and pull away completely. Um, although I love American bullies, I just felt it was going too crazy. The industry was just based upon money and 
it was wasn't for me, you know, it wasn't what I was about. So I moved away from that. Like I said before, I was looking at getting American Bully. I wanted American Bulldog, taller dog, you know. But even today, if I'd have got that American Bulldog, I think I'd be told with the same bush show as well under the type. I'd still be losing my dog soon. I don't know what then people are gonna do. I feel so sorry for them. If you've got an American Bulldog, are the, are the police gonna believe you driving past? You know, will pedigree save you? Probably not. Yeah. yeah, I think it's going to be, it's, it's a bit of an unknown at the moment with the, I mean, I know, I, to be honest, Howard, I know a lot of people that have pit bulls, you know, but they, they keep their head down. They, they don't cause trouble. Yeah. And I, and I, and I think, uh, I think that saves them a little bit, but well, if you get, there are many people, aren't there? They've had knocks at the door and you know, you hear these horror stories, but, I, <laughs> but before we move on, I, I, I wanted to talk about that, the Spartan stuff, because yeah. Personally, I love athletic dogs. Yeah. And I, I love fitness. I love function functionality. And I really liked the direction you were going in yeah. with, with your what was your dog called? Your your super athletic one? Vecna, that one. Uh, there's a few. Okay, okay. It's in the fastest we have at the moment, the fastest is probably Vecna and Diabla. We always keep a brother and sister because the bond's brilliant and it's not any rivalry like two males. Um, we always train them so from a young age. We developed a training program from a two months old to 12 months old to bring them on. And it's when you get to like 10 months old that they really start to take off and you get so quick and they're lightning fast for the, for the size and you know for the weight of them. Um, so yeah, the most... I mean, Jean, when she was younger, she was so athletic, so fast, so so dynamic, and she still is a little bit. Um, that was back when I only had about three bullies, so I could spend hours a day with those dogs. You know, I would just have them all day out, three hours at a time. and We'd, we'd do 15 miles some days, just out all day. But, um, yeah, so as time went on, I had to develop this Spartan type. And if you look at my two latest dogs in Berserk, and Pearl, you'll notice they look like a bit like Presser Canarios. They look a bit different now. We went for a longer muscle to stop the underbites, uh, less brachyphilic, more oxygen intake. We kept the barrel chest, more oxygen, um, and we've just gone for like a performance type. And already he's 10 months, 11 months of age, and he's he's shaping up to be one of our fastest dogs. He's, um, he's awesome, and she's great too. Are you familiar with uh, Jay Jack and, and the GRC sport? No, no. Oh man, I feel like you would love it. It's it's so good. It's uh very much based around dog fitness. And when you announced your Spartan game stuff, it reminded me of that stuff so much. J Jack is um is based over in America, but his sport, GRC, is is just starting to take off here in the UK. And there's a lot of people with XLs that do do it. Um there's like the weight pool, spring pole, etc. etc. Um, and it, and control is an element of it as well. You have to have a dog that's well behaved. Um, but I think you you would you would really like it. You should definitely check it out. I'll well, send you some info definitely. because especially because J Jax J Jack's actually an ex MMA fighter and he's very into fitness as well. He has a jujitsu gym as as well. Aside from all the dog stuff, um, and I know you said you you uh, you've been into fitness your whole life yeah. as well. So I I feel like you guys would really connect. Oh, definitely, yeah. So, yeah, yeah. My first, it was um, the Swinford Band Dog. Um, John Swinford from Long Island. He developed a dog that we see today, in essence. He tried to recreate the old Band Dog, and it was um, basically a pit mastiff. He wanted a functional mastiff type, and he just felt that Neapolitan mastiffs or bull mastiff types 
they weren't functional as he liked them. They were just too big and slow. So he infused them with a pit bull and did it for, 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 for performance, sorry. And he died and his business partner carried it on for a few years. But like with the bully, he fell into the wrong hands. So he stopped the program altogether and it, it, it stopped it. But the point with that dog was he was just so functional. His dogs were so fit and so fast. And he was a pure dog man. He just loved dogs. And that's kind of where I'm at, really. You know, it's my best days. My, my detox and my brain is in the fields of dogs. You know, that's all people see me. All the kids on the street call me um, the bully guy around here. Oh, look, it's the bully guy. Because I'm always in the fields. But um, yeah, it's a shame. So let's let's go back because I, yeah. I took us off on a tangent then. You were talking about typing and like it's uh you know, what back with just a pit bull type, people used to always complain that you you would have like a Labrador cross to a staffy and that would end up falling under the pit bull type yeah. and it was it was bad enough. But now the type that they just recently put out is so broad and to be honest, Howard, part of me thinks that it's actually quite deliberate. Because it's it's a way of saying, it's a way of having control, isn't it? In terms of it, so many dogs are going to fall under that category. Even dogs like Rottweilers, you know, could fall could fall foul of that. So to me, it's it's kind of a way of sneakily banning a lot of big dogs. And if so, if if you want to, if you have an issue with someone or or whatever, you can say that their dog is typed, even though it's not really an XL bully, but it just, because you've made that category so ridiculously broad, you can actually just fit a whole bunch of dogs under that. Yeah, I mean, I put up a conversation that I had in the, in the private message with somebody on my page uh, from two years ago. And then two years ago, I said, they're going to wait for a gateway dog. And this is the gateway into a lot of dogs being being, being gone in one go. Because at the time, since around 2018 to 21, there was a lot of debates in Parliament about which breed should be banned. And the Staffordshire Multeviers brought quite a lot. They were talking about all different dogs. And at the time, the bully was on the radar there. It was just being looked at in the background. And I thought, I think they thought to themselves, we can hit a lot of dogs with one dog here, you know, because this, the, di the diversity in the Axel Bully is phenomenal because it's a mixture of Bulldog Mastiff and Bull Terrier types. You know, if you like the more Bull Terrier type, you just can breed to that look quite easily in one or two generations. And you've got what you'd see as a, a larger pit bull. If you like your Bulldog types, you just push it towards the Bulldog type and they'll start to look like a Bulldog. You know, and it's as simple as that. And it's a shame because... Those dogs, in essence, like Mastiff type or Bulldog type, are not banned breeds. They've attacked nobody. They're pure breeds that are being, well, the Mastiff have been around thousands of years. The American Bulldogs have been around, you know, for at least 60, 70 years. And they're going to get tarred with the same brush. And it's unbelievable to think that you could be a, a pure dog man that loves Presser Canarios. You've owned them your whole life. Your father did. You've got your own you know, a BD in school, and the next minute, just because a policeman who's not trained in dogs is driving past you in the street and thinks it looks like one of those bullies that he looked at three months ago on the police wall and thinks, I think that's one man bullies, then you're you at risk of losing your dogs. And by the time they've seized it, it's already in their care. Now they're going to aggression or test it. You're fighting to try and get it back. It's costing you thousands of pounds. You get it back and then you walk his brother down the street and boom, they take that one off you because they do look similar. 
within the presser, within the cane corso, within various mastiff types, there is such a, a large diversity in those breeds too, you know, and they do. I say to someone today, we've got bullies that look like pressers and we've got pressers that look like bullies. You know, it, it, it's one and the same in some ways. I did it with um, my latest dog called Berserk. If you look at him, everyone said to me, how the hell, Howard, did you make a presser canario from two bullies? They don't look anything like presser canarios. I said, because they both got presser canario in their wisdom panel in the background, and I needed to pull some of that through for function and stability and strength. I said, so I always knew that one puppy out of 10 that I had was going to fit the bill for that. And it did. I could see it as a puppy. I thought, he's got a longer muzzle. And he, he looks more like a presser, and we kept him. And, and now people say to me, yeah, he just looks like a presser canario. It's just how you alter dogs so simply. So it's mm. strange. You could actually breed two bullies together and make some dogs fall outside the type. So they were okay to walk down the street. You're not going to get too much trouble probably about them. And at the same time, you can breed two mastiff breeds together and fall in the type. It makes no sense. It really doesn't. Yeah, there's a lot of worry about people that have dogs that might be typed that aren't even XLs. Yeah. You know, like you mentioned there, the Prezzas, the Cane Corsos. But even like, like I said, even, you know, you have a tall staffy or you have a, like, you know, like it's such a broad spectrum that it's, uh, it's giving a lot of people even outside of the bully world a lot of concern about whether their dog's going to be typed. Defra put out that advice that you should you should uh what was it i think you should go for an wasn't it something like you should go for an exemption even if you don't yeah. think your dog is an XL? yeah bully which is i that's hard advice to hear like that's hard advice to hear well i mean they're looking at the bully as the number one human biter okay but if bullies disappear there's going to be another number one isn't there there's always going to be a number one always be to be honest howard I, I as someone that sees a lot of different dog breeds i feel like there could be a hell of a lot worse dogs to be popular you know if i said this you know i said let's just say for instance it wasn't XL bullies everyone went crazy for miles instead in COVID. And it, it, I think there'd be more attacks from negligence of that type of dog, you know, because they're more reactive. And anyone, it was just, it was a damn shame that it had to be exiled by these because they do have the potential to cause a lot of damage in the wrong hands. But to me, they are an acquired taste. I mean, if you had turn the clock back now to say 20 years ago, these people, that a lot of people that bought XR bullies probably wouldn't have bought one because it defaults a lot of dogs to have. It's a big dog. I don't really know if I want that dog. But because it was alluring, there was money to be made in it too. A lot of people that would never bought these dogs went on to buy them. And like I said, once there's no money in them, they'll give them away. And where they go, no one knows. You know, it's a shame. I feel like even at the moment, though, um, there isn't really enough done about dangerous dogs in general. I like I've I've had, you know, as we were talking about earlier, like, you know, I've had my dogs attacked by other dogs. I've tried contacting dog wardens and stuff like that. Trying to get any kind of enforcement of anything is extremely difficult. You know, like we have the dog control orders at the moment where you can be told you have to keep your dog on a lead or muzzled or whatever. And it doesn't seem like there's any use of that it really se seems like a, a massive uh, knee-jerk reaction in terms of 
it, I think it would have been a lot better to actually just try and enforce, like, like maybe, maybe they needed, I don't know what it is. Mm. I don't know why it's so hard to get hold of the dog warden. Is it that there is just a lack of funding? Could, yeah. could we not have given more funding for dog wardens or so? And maybe take the, uh, the dog on t- dog attacks a bit more seriously as well. I mean, how many, almost every dog owner you speak to has had a bad experience and, you know, in, lo- in like localized areas, everyone will know, Hey, you be careful about the guy with that dog because that dog is going around attacking other dogs all the time, you know, and, and people just continue to get away, away with it. You know, there was, there was one uh, near me, um, a dog in the local park that killed another dog you know, and the police didn't take the dog from him because of course it's not illegal for your dog to attack another dog unless it's a guide dog or something like that. But we could have taken that kind of stuff a little bit more seriously because when, when dogs are going around, they're serially attacking other dogs. It speaks to the owner as well in terms of their lack of like care. You know, they're not yeah. even bothering to put the dog on the lead or avoid other dogs or whatever. It's one thing if your dog accidentally, you know, dogs fight every now and then. You know, it's one thing if it's like a one-off thing, but when your dog's doing it all the time, you know, it's it's not it's not good. A lot of people have reached out to me in the past um, that have bought ex-abolies in haste, and they've now got you know five, and they they don't have any private place to live in the house. They're just going to run free, and you know they said I've got two males that want to kill each other. I said, yeah, take it your females in season. They go, oh, I didn't think of that. I said, yeah, they're probably going to do that if she's in season. And it's a lot of things like that. And they, they really aren't prepared for, you know, that side of things. And I've seen a lot of people that can't even control their dogs in the streets. They're getting dragged around by them because they're so strong. And you, you really do need to have this on your mind when buying a dog this big, the potential risks that come with it, you know, and, if people think they just train themselves and it is very important to get some basic obedience in these dogs and to have control over them it's really interesting comparing our culture to some of the other cultures in europe because when i speak to people from like germany or sweden you know if you get a big dog it's very normal to go and do training you know it's like that that is the norm Versus here, I don't feel like we have that so much, you know, like maybe people might go to puppy class if, if they're, you know, even doing puppy classes, like, you know, uh, like a lot of people don't even bother with that. But, but in Germany and Sweden, you're training your dog. Yeah. Like it's much more normal to go to the, go to the dog training club relatively regularly. We don't seem to have that culture here in the UK. No. And I wish we did. Cause if we had it, I don't think we're going to see half the attacks we've got now. You know, that's why I said in this breed, I mean, I th- I would have been better if the prime minister would have stood up next, last year and just said, right, listen, guys, I'm going to give you 12 months to get your stuff together. I don't see any more attacks. You have to regulate this yourselves in your own registry. Okay, so what do you propose on doing? Because if I get another five attacks, these are gone. And we would have got time to do it, you know, but the, the industry... It's just been a bit of a crazy one over the years. And, you know, like I said, you know, people will just do things purely for money sometimes. And it's let a lot of good people down. As time's gone on, a lot of the people that were purely in these dogs for money because the money fell out of it, they've gone. And what's left really are some really nice people that's some really passionate dog owners. And, you know, they've bred dogs all their lives and they haven't got lots of them. They've got one or two and they're their best friends. And... You know, and those dogs are trained. Those dogs have been obedient trained. They did go to the courses. They did do what they needed to do. And they're going to be tarred with the same bush. And it's horrible because 
these people that did this to dogs and made them a little bit crazy in the way they've been treated, they just don't get punished at all. It's, they're free to do it again and again and again. I mean, Mental. I've seen the typing. I mean, but there's a lot of dogs coming off the continent now. We, we've seen these cutters in the UK. They're, now, bully cutters aren't going to fall under the look of the dog. They're far too tall. They're quite narrow. They're, they're part bully cutters? Yeah. I've not, I don't think I've heard of this. Yeah, bully cutters are huge dogs. They're up 30 plus at the withers. Very powerful, very, very, and they're known to be, you know, aggressive dogs. Um, then you've got... Is this a, is this mixed with something? No, Bully Cutter's an old dog. It's been around for a long time. It's from India and Pakistan. Um, a very huge, powerful dog, like a Kangal as well. They are just massive. Well, I, the Kangals are a whole other issue we could go into, Howard, because the amount of issues I've seen with Anatolian Shepherds and Kangals, I mean, started off with like people that had no idea what they were doing, going over to these countries and rescuing these dogs off of farms and then sticking them in houses in, in the middle of the city. And now the wrong people are starting to get hold of them. And that's one of those dogs I was thinking of. If that's a dog that gets popular, we're going to have way more issues than we would have with XL bullies because you have a dog there that I think is honestly has the strongest guarding instincts of any dog I've ever met. You know, like that's a dog that has like has not been uh like is not a dog that's meant to live in a house you know that's a, that's a dog that's supposed to be in in a field in the middle of nowhere in romania making sure mountain lions don't eat sheep like you know <laughs> so, and yeah so. we said i said that i said so in, if i wanted to now which i never do it but if i wanted to and I'm, i won't lie several people have reached out to me from the dog world and asked me already howard could you create something big, taller, outside the type, more powerful than an XR bully. And can we do it? And I've just said, I could, but I'm not going to do that. That's insane. So is there, there isn't any maximum height though on the type, right? No, but if, I think if you're walking a 34, 33 inch dog at the Withers, it's, it's not going to be anywhere near ever class like an XL bully if it's, you know, it's way past your waist. Um, and that's what people have been asking me to do. They've been saying, could it be done? And I've, I've just said it can be done, but I would never do it. It'd be insanity because the dogs that you'd be using to do it are those type of dogs. You know, it's like there's, um, if you, there's another type of dog out there that looks just like a dog watch and it's called a gold dog. And that's um, a bully cutter crossed with a Pakistani gold terrier. And that is another level of crazy dog out there, you know, and people are looking at crossing them with bowls now to make a more muscle on it and even more meaty and, you know, and then those dogs would be well over 30 inches of the withers over 100 kilo body weight. It shows that there is obviously, a, a, this is something that people are thinking about. You know, they're already thinking about, okay, what dog can I get next? Yes. Just like you say, basic road man that just doesn't care. They just, yeah. on a video, someone comes out of a, a backstreet lockup of this dog. It looks like a lion and people want to buy them. And guess what? They're not bullies. So they're not going to get taken off you just yet until 20 people die. You know, and it sounds crazy, but, and that hasn't, see, the bully comes from a show line. It comes to, it's kind of a companion dog as such. That's why you buy them. But like you said, with those type of dogs, and then, you know, why would you, why would you want them? I really don't, I don't think a dog of that size, I, I don't think the UK is a good place to have dogs with extremely strong guarding instincts like that, unless you're someone that's super passionate and really into, like really into it. But these aren't dogs you should get on a whim, you know? I've seen people who've got massive American bullies and they've got like four of them. They live on a 
15th floor in a high rise in the middle of a city. And I say to people then, where do you take these dogs? You know, they need exercise. My dogs are quiet now because they're tired. They went out this morning, they've done all their miles, running around like maniacs. They'll sleep the rest of the day and go out a little bit in the afternoon at night, quick walk and back to bed. You know, but people were just blinded by a lot of things. And like I said, years ago, they probably wouldn't have done this. They've done it a little bit because there's money in it and they've not really looked into it too much. Yeah. What comes next for you then, Howard? What what are you thinking about? No, it's like what gonna see now. I, I, I didn't hit me until yesterday. My mate messaged me yesterday and he goes, come on, Howard, what are you doing? Because I've been thinking about you. And I said, what do you mean? He went, what are you going to do? I mean, the band's here on the 31st. Are you going to get your dogs out of the country and give them another life? Or are you going to roll the dice and hope that we can win this judicial review? But if we don't win it, you haven't got any time to get your dogs out of the country and you're going to have to put them all to sleep. And now I had a dog called Dominator and I've got a neighbour can't prove it, but I think it's pretty obvious what he did. I watched him do it as such. Um, he poisoned my dog. I fell out with him in the street. I had an argument. Anyway, I watched him feeding the dog something under the gate. He says it was a tree. The dog died of, well, what was it called? Uh, antifreeze on a sponge in his stomach. And it gives you it gives the dog kidney damage and brain damage over a few days. Anyway, the vet told me, you know, the, the dog probably won't live, and I wouldn't have it. I spent every penny on about six different vets, and then my wife stands there and trying to save the dog. Anyway, he died in the end. He wasn't, he was he couldn't stand up, he was bleeding from all different angles. And I took him to the vet to be put down and I collapsed. I've never ever cried that much in my life. Absolutely. Because he was only a pup, he's eight months old, he didn't have a life or anything. And I was crying my eyes out, bawling everywhere. Um, I come home, my daughter was crying, my wife was crying. It was just horrible. And it's what led up to it, two days of hearing him crying, whining in the house. Anyway, um, I, I know that's going to come again. You know, January the 1st, I can't have bamboos, so I have to ring up a vet and ask the vet to come to my house and give lethal injections to nine dogs. You know, and... When I say I've got nine dogs in my house, we've got a four-story house and we kitted the whole basement out to air cons or pads down there, pens and everywhere. We've got comfy beds. Some live in the house, some live around the house. So even though we've got a four-story house, you know, you don't see them very much. You know, they've got great lives, got a big backyard, they'll play in. And outside pens, if you want to have day pens, but they all sleep in the house at night. But um, I said, I don't know what to do. If I give all my dogs away and send them to Spain or America and someone wanted them and we win, I've lost all my dogs. And I've had some bad experiences in the past. So some people do what we call like partnerships or co-owns. That's when you give someone a dog for your breeding program to expand it. And every time I've done that, the dog was abused most times. The dog got really abused really bad. I take my bag back off them. I had to really be able to take the dog sometimes. Sometimes they just abused it by doing the wrong things, like too much exercise to a puppy and ruining his knees and things like that. There's never been one good experience. And I never charged anyone for these dogs. So you give them for free, I just want to care for it. And they never do when something's a free, I suppose. So I've got a horrible feeling if I did send them to America and, and they are getting abused. You know, I've probably, they've probably been better off going to sleep than going through another few years of that. I just don't know. I don't know what to do. It's, it's keeping me up at night. When this band came in, I weighed 15 stone. I weighed 13 and a half stone. So I lost 21 pounds in about two months of stress. Um, I can't eat. I can't sleep. I don't know what to do. Walking my dogs right now isn't a nice experience. People are scared of them. They're running. People used to wait to me every day and they're crossing the road to ignore me. 
some people are being nice to me. They understand what I'm going through. But I just don't, I know it's something I'll never get over. You know, if I still have to put them to sleep, it's going to kill me. Um, and they've done nothing wrong. You know, my dogs have done nothing. They've never shown any aggression to each other. You know, the most we've ever had is a little fight between Ghost and G. I didn't even know why it come from until I found out. So he went, he they used to sleep in the same bed together. He went to get in their bed at night and she flipped and they started fighting. And then I found she'd hit a bone with the blanket. She thought she thought he's gone to get her sneak her bone now. And she's they had a little fight, but it's a scuffle, you know, it wasn't like they've locked on Oh, anyone with a lot of dogs has had yeah. that kind of thing. How rare it is in my house. What we've got in our house is brother and sister bonds. Nearly all the dogs, apart from Ghost and G, they're all related to each other. So they love each other. They've been raised together. There's those in pairs. And they sleep together on massive beds. And they have amazing lives. Um, and, you know, people that come around, they always say how nice they are. And to think that I've got to... See, I can't let them be the bad guy. Because if the police sees the dogs, they go down that BSL process. They're locked in. They're going to they're gonna, they're gonna put them to sleep anyway. You know, they're going to be terrorised in some police kennel for God knows how long. It's terrifying. I've seen some terrible videos, of even when people get dogs back, which I can't have back, um, of the state of the dogs that have come out of the police cells. And they are, the ribs are showing, you know, the dogs in a lot worse mental state than they went in there, you know? So I just don't know. I don't, I've got no idea for the first time in my life. I spoke to this, I keep in touch with our legal team. Spoke to this listener today, and even she said, I just don't know how, I don't know what you're going to do. I said, you think we can win? She went, I don't know. I've got no idea. She said, all we can do is give it our best shot. I said, so if I'm all in and I go for it, the best shot, and we'd lose, that's it. I can't get my dogs aboard. It's too late. Um, so what is what is this judicial review? What does that actually mean? So basically, the only way, if a if a, if a, if a if a body like the government put a new law in place and the law that they've put in is adding to the, this dog to the BSL, I mean, to the Bambi list. So the a judicial review means you can only appeal against the way it was implemented. So was it done unlawfully or irrationally or have they done it in the wrong way? So that's it. So we've got to find out. And then the judge above it or the panel the judge can refer it to can just look at that and go, I'm not going to grant a judicial review. You're, it's kind of what we're doing. Or the judge can say, yes, I would like you to elaborate. We'll give you your day in court, and you're going to prove it. Now, on the good side of that, if it does go to that level, well, so far, the experts are all on our side, aren't they? The, the RSPCA are against it. BVS. 100%. They've got nobody, and they've got a little bit of flawed evidence of social media which is, doesn't stand up in court. So they've really got nothing much to go on. So where the grounds that it would be irrational, I think the irrationality of it is definitely within the typing of the dog and the fact that it could be any, you know, it's, and it was a bit of a knee-jerk reaction. We never really did get down to the genetics of the dogs that did the attacks at that point either. They were just suspected, you know, to be bullies. There was no evidence that they, they were exiled bullies, in fact. So... As far as we know as a community, only one of those dogs has come from this community. Because we all kind of keep nicks on each other in this game. We all know each other's bloodlines and kennel names and the dog's names. You mentioned a kennel, I can tell you the dog's names half the time. So it's a bit like that. So when we've seen these attacks on the news and we've seen a vid picture of the dog, none of us knew who the dogs had came from. So they could just be crossbred dogs that weren't had gone down the, the pedigree process. I don't know. But um 
what I can say is it's a tough thing to win. No one's... The, the, the odds on winning a judicial review are 500 to 1. That's what they are. How far into that process are you guys at the moment? Just started. So yesterday, the QC, the, the KC, his name is um, John Cooper. Now, he's like a... He's a legal eagle. He's a breed dog spe- dangerous dog specialist. And he's the best in the country in what he does, apparently. We've got a raise. We're doing a fundraiser now just to raise the money for the guy. You know, he's expensive. And the problem is, if you lose, you've got to pay the government's cost too. So the minimum we've got to get together is 150000 So he serves papers now as part of the process on the Home Secretary, I believe. They've got 14 days to respond. And then when they respond, we go ahead with this issue of you to see if it would be allowed. And that takes another 14 days or so, I think, or something like that for the next result. So we'll, we'll see. So I don't know anything about, you know, legal sides. That's what's making me so worried. So there'll be a little bit of a delay before people see this podcast. So what what are you kind of thinking, like December 23? We have an answer as to whether that... Yeah, you're going you're gonna to know, well, we've got to get the money together for this for the, for the judicial review if it goes ahead by the end of the month, yeah. So by December, so this is the problem. Let's just say it's the first week in December and it's over, you know. No review's been allowed, it's gone. They're not going to go with it. I haven't got time to get my dogs out of the country, really. You know, you'd have to go through the rabies vaccines and all that and the health checks and that and the flights. And you'd never do it in time, I don't think. And I said that to me. I said, I said, do you think when I have time? She said, no, you'd have to choose one or the other now, really. You're either all in or you're all out. And, you know, I said, if, my, if I could live in a house where dogs were exempt, I wouldn't be bothered too much now. I'd think, okay, I'd have to get rid of some because as a breeder, I can't just have nine dogs for the rest of my life and not breed any dogs and bring that run money in. I'd be working like a slave just to feed them. But I, I could easily get rid of a, a few dogs and keep my foundation full, which I always promised I'd do. Um, I just don't know at the moment. It's, um, it's a very tough situation for a lot of people. And people, like you say, we're seeing dogs at the moment that are being, you know, just let out and stray. Landlords are threatening the house association people already saying the dogs have got to go right away. They're giving them seven days now already, even before the ban. They don't want them in their properties. Yeah, that really has to change. I feel like it would be a good idea to put some pressure on some of the count local councils and stuff like that to try to change those tenancy agreements because yeah, that's yeah, that that is an immediate way that we could prevent dogs from from having to be euthanized. Definitely. So where can people find out more about uh, about the judicial review, the fundraising that's going on for that, etc., etc.? Et well, there's, there's, a, there's two groups, main groups among the Save Our Police. Sorry, there's three groups, really. There's Save Our Police. There's our group that we represent. That's me, and that's the, body collect- the official Buddy Collective. We're on Instagram. And there's license, um, Don't Ban Me, License Me. License me. That's another group as well that are working directly with the legal team. So at the moment, we're all doing fundraisers, but all the money essentially goes in the same direction towards the barrister. Um, so, yeah, it's, it, it's, we've got, it's about, I think it's about 40, 50,000 so far being raised. I'm going to down south tomorrow to the Midlands to do like a bully link up and take some, um, bottom here actually, these, with these collection tubs to go and try and collect some money off them, raise awareness for it, and then um, get the money across to the groups. 
So, yeah, it's, it's going to be tough. I'm going to try and arrange, I don't know how if I can do it in time, but I was going to try and arrange like a, a bully show um, in like a massive warehouse type of place. And I'd like to invite the media to show them how, how general these dogs are. So they can see 500 dogs in the building and no one gets bit, you know, they're not like you think. They're classing, they're classing these dogs like they're out of control, they're inherently evil and, you know, they're just, they kill people for no reason and things like that. The problem is, if somebody mistreats a dog and that dog goes on to kill, they're not going to admit that, that they mistreated that dog. They're just going to sit there and say, you know, I don't know why I did that. You know, I'm so God, yeah, I don't know what happened there. Rather than being honest and saying, you know, I've been beating that dog for a long time, but no time for it, and he's terrified. You know, some of these dogs don't even get exercise off people. They just stay locked in cages all day. And we've seen a lot of that in America. Um, some what we believe to be the best breeders out there, their houses were raided. In one place, there was 30, I think 36 dead dogs. All in, you know, wow, all over. crazy. Just So there are people out there that are just horrible, but they were going to see that in all walks of life. And there's people out there that are absolutely the salt of the earth, amazing people. They love their dogs, and these are the ones that are going to be affected. And it, it's such a shame. The way they've done this, the government, makes no sense at all. Well, I mean, it's very emotional to, you know, talk about this subject. Thanks so much for coming on, Howard. I really, really appreciate it. Thank you very much. Well, I hope you enjoyed that podcast. Don't forget to share it with a friend. That always really helps us. And also don't forget to check out our podcast sponsor, which is N2N Canine Mills. They make fantastic carpet mills and slap mills here in the UK, which are really fantastic for increasing your dog's fitness, endurance, strength, etc. Fantastic if you're involved in dog sports or you just want to give your dog better fitness, right? Who doesn't want to do that? So check out their instagram their website etc etc and don't forget to use our code which is nb10 that's n2n canine mills that's the letter n the number two and then the letter n again canine mills and also don't if you're american and you're thinking meals i'm not talking about meals like meals i'm talking meals like m-i-l-l-s all right sweet see you on the next episode